You're listening to Tech Nest, the PropTech Podcast. In each episode, you'll hear from PropTech founders, investors, and industry veterans on how they're using tech to change the way we buy, sell, and invest in real estate. Discover market opportunities, interesting data, growth tactics, and trends driving the industry forward. This isn't just another podcast about making money in real estate. This is about how we live. And now your host, Nate Smoyer. Clayton, welcome to the show. Nate Smoyer, I'm thrilled to be here, man. It's been a minute since we have recorded uh, an episode. I think the last time we, we did an episode together was live at Blueprint 22. Is that right? 22. I think you were correct. I wasn't able to attend at 23, but I'm going to be back in 2024. I'm actually going to be moderating a session um, with the CEO of one of the the largest data companies out there in the, the real property world. So uh, I'll, be, I'll be back. So I'll get to see you. Um Vegas in September, right? There, there it is. But we'll see each other uh, before then. I'm confident in that. Well, I'm going to be visiting your hometown. I'm going to, well, not hometown, but where you're currently at. I'm coming to Dallas in April or uh, is it March? In March. I'm coming down for a few days. I'm going to a very exciting roofing convention. <laughs> hey, those are, your, those are your people now. And if you, if you really want to make things exciting, join us also in April for the gathering, our our big event covering the entire housing ecosystem from real estate to mortgage. So we're bringing that to Scottsdale, though. It's another beautiful venue out there in Scottsdale, Arizona. We're gonna we're gonna get into that, but first, I have to for those who are not familiar, I've got Clayton Collins on the show here. He's founder and CEO of HW Media. HW Media, I'm gonna call it quickly becoming a conglomerate. Is that a good word? Conglomerate is it like a media conglomerate we we are a we, we hw media we own several media data businesses in the housing industry um i'd shy away from the term conglomerate kind of for the the primary reason that our our first acquisition and our our probably most prominent brand is housing wire and mm-hmm. our my vision for the business is while we do m a and we've acquired multiple media companies and an incredible data and research business called altos research we are building under the housing wire brand so like this month and nate you and i haven't even had a really a chance to talk about this yet but 2024 is a big year of integration and consolidation for for our company so we're in the process right now Started doing it in January, completing in February, of integrating all the content and news and research from Realtrends.com into HousingWire, mm-hmm. and then Reverse Mortgage Daily, another publication that we acquired, is also being integrated into HousingWire. So Reverse Mortgage Daily, which was a standalone publication, will become the Reverse Mortgage section of HousingWire. Realtrends is powering all of our real estate agent brokerage news and data and coverage. So part of our M&A strategy has been acquire great businesses, learn them, learn the audience, learn the clientele, and then figure out how we power them into the future. And the domain, the the, the credibility we have with housing wires is so strong. We've learned that we can propel coverage and news for the real estate agent and brokerage segment much further through housing wire and the same with the reverse mortgage segment. So um, you, you might feel a little bit like 
hold co or conglomerate today. But I think when you look back, ultimately what I'm trying to build as an entrepreneur is housing wire into the information services company that brings news and information, data and research to professionals across the residential real estate ecosystem. So where we started in single family residential with a really big emphasis on mortgage origination and servicing and capital markets has bridged into the residential real estate space, reverse mortgage space, and um, we'll continue to look for opportunities to serve professionals in title and closing and appraisal and potentially commercial um, down the road. But we're, we're very focused on turning housing wire into the destination for real estate and real estate financing, news, information, research, and data. Got it. So, so conglomerate, not the right word, but definitely media powerhouse. Uh, and I, I think it's, you know, I, I want to start, I'll start with that just briefly here, and then we're going to jump into a little bit bigger topic or other topics here. But I mean, I, I find it nothing be but impressive because it's really hard to cut through the noise to, you know, carve out a space for anything in real estate, if you're not an incumbent, uh, there's a few players out there that have been doing this for a long time. Uh, obviously you have the mainstream news streams and, and you guys really have, you know, I've watched it happen over the few, over the last few years. I think, you know, we, we go back to like 2017, 2018. And so I've been able to watch the business really expand since then. And it's, it still blows me away of like how much you guys have gotten done in such a short period of time. So, I mean, uh, kudos to you guys, and 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 part of that though is, you know, the the you have the event side of the business, you have data side of the business. It, there's just so many different things happening there. But it, you know, I don't know what it's like under the under the hood, but from the outside, it looks really shiny. It looks like everything's <laughs> running just totally perfect. That's how businesses operate, right? <laughs> we, we chuckle because Nate and I were talking a little bit about this before we uh, before we hit record and like the nature of growing businesses, especially businesses that have a a bend toward M and A, or they're doing large strategic acquisitions or small tuck ins or or roll up strategies. Um, you know, it's integration is hard. Putting teams together is hard. But putting tech stacks together is hard. So I think. It takes having an organized operator and a structured leadership team to make sure that it's not a can I say clusterfuck on on Technas? Is that a is that an acceptable I, word? I don't have any sponsors to tell me what I can't do. <laughs> it takes having an organized leader <laughs> with a with a vision and a structured mind to keep things organized to avoid any growing business, especially acquisitive one from becoming a complete clusterfuck. But the reality is that when you're trying to achieve something ambitious and you're, you're trying to grow and you're hiring and bring in new clients and trying to do it at a pace that's greater than your competitors, mm-hmm. there's going to be aspects of that that feel disorganized or, you know, feel like our processes are broken. And, you know, we wish we had more time on this product or wish we had more resources to put into this campaign or this development plan. But like ultimately growth is about making decisions. Growing a business is about shipping product and serving clients. And sometimes Mm -hmm. those priorities have to rise above perfect organization. And um, so I'm glad we look shiny from the outside. I think we're pretty shiny on the inside too, but um, I am sure I have a few team members who, who wish we were a little more organized in some aspects at time. But, uh, 
But ultimately, I think operators and entrepreneurs have to make a decision. Do I want everything to be perfect? And we're going to cross every single I and dot every single, really way around, cross every T and dot every single I. Or mm-hmm. are we going to focus on growth, focus on serving our clients and get shit done? And, um, you know, it's a balance. But uh, I, I kind of lean toward the camp of like get shit done. And um, and over time, as you have resources and to hire and um, time and time t- resource, the resource of time, you organize, you clean up, you put the pieces together because ultimately – growing anything like you never kind of match the business plan out the gate. Like if you go back and like, look at the plan from the beginning, um, what you thought was organization, what you thought was perfection, isn't going to be the same thing when you look back in the rearview mirror. So, uh, and I think something like seeking perfection in terms of, you know, all the the pieces fading together the whole time is, you know, ultimately kind of a fool's errand. You're going to end up like reorganizing and restructuring as you grow because mm-hmm. that's the nature of business. I love it. I think there's a lot of lessons in there for all the founders uh, listening to this, regardless of what stages they're at. Speaking of that and lessons here, you have access to a lot of data. You get access behind closed doors, speaking with the you know mortgage industry leaders, real estate industry leaders. You you know all test research. You have the absolute playground for those who are obsessed with data, which we know that you have a few people in your staff that are obsessed with data. You know, uh, Mike Simonson, of course, he's phenomenal at that. But then you also have the the N of one, Logan. I don't know how to say his last name. Motoshami. Um, there it is. But the most savage of uh, real estate analysis. The most savage of real estate housing analysts. The man who coined the <laughs> savagely unhealthy housing market. The guy who gets the CNBC invites every single week it's without trying. Yeah, Logan's a, um, the man, the myth, the legend. But with access to all that data um, – what and, and let's let's go bold with this. What's going to happen in real estate this year? <laughs> so, I mean, I, I think I like have interviewed enough executives and analysts and economists to know that forecasting is often a is, is often a fool's errand. And like you, you wonder why so many economists are, are hesitant to put a um, a pin in a number and forecasting interest rates or, or home sales, it's because there's a lot of factors that are just out of mm-hmm. the control of, of industry professionals. And um, there's a, right now where the industry is, you know, being tugged along in different directions by the federal reserve and the federal reserve is responding to inflation and demographic and employment data that even the best analysts and economists who've dedicated their careers to setting those metrics haven't haven't fully, um, you know, haven't can't predict to perfection. So mm-hmm. that's my ca- caveat. But here we are, and with the February, disclaimer out of the way, this is not investment advice. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I, I am no longer a a licensed uh, financial professional, so I can. Gl- Say whatever I want, Nate. But um, <laughs> but ultimately, um, here we are, February twenty twenty four, and interest rates in the first month of the year, you know, have have had a relative degree of volatility. Um, the day before we recorded this, uh, we saw a thirty basis point drop in the average um, fixed rate conforming loan from six nine to six six, and then the next day, on a relatively strong jobs number, 
we saw it pop right back to 6.9. So like there's um there's intraday mm-hmm. and intraweek volatility that's more notable than we've seen in any other like part of the housing cycle. And uh, and honestly more important than like the cost impact of that interest rate move is the psychological impact on consumers. And our research and studies of mortgage interest rates has has taught us and shown us that the consumer is actually more sensitive to changes in rates than they are the ultimate rate. And stability is the friend of consistent growth in housing. So Hmm. if we were to just lock in at 6.75, there'd be a lot of people complaining about interest rates for a long time. But But we get used to it. We get used to it. Exactly. We get used to it. Yeah. You know what's interesting? I saw something that kind of maybe alludes to that. Well, I don't know how it alludes to this, but maybe it's tied to this. Uh, Spencer Roscoff tweeted this. He was, I guess, chatting up with some Goldman execs and he was like, or, or, or tweeting out some Goldman stats. And they said since like the, I want to say back to the 40s, the fourth year of the first term of a president, 100% of the time is an up economy. So, I mean, how, how do you, you know, if you take that stat, that, that re- means real estate has to do good this year, right? We have to do good. Okay, in so well, let's, let's define do good because real estate mm-hmm. is a market. And transactions the, is what I look at for healthiness, not necessarily pricing. So I don't know if I can make that same bet that like, tr- like it, we're certain that transactions will be up. So a president can stimulate the market by making the consumer feel good, whether they're supporting employment, um, putting forward favorable uh, favorable tax plans, asserting pressure over the Fed on, on interest rates. But a strong consumer supports strong asset prices and strong asset prices coupled with high interest rates mm-hmm. creates affordability problems. Now, homeowners feel great when asset prices go up. And I think a lot of rental landlords feel great as well when asset prices go up. They're seeing the value of their portfolio increase. I'm seeing the value of my primary home or secondary home increase. And that feels good on, on paper, but it makes it harder to transact for that upgrade transaction when you want to move Mm -hmm. to that larger house in the better school district. It makes it harder to enter the housing game if you're a first-time home buyer. And a strong consumer, a strong economy may actually be a modest headwind against growing transaction volume in 2024. That said, we're coming out of 18 months of the consumer feeling the same way about housing. Home prices are too high. Interest rates are too high. And what that has done is created what we believe is some degree of pent-up demand. So- Mm -hmm. If people can get used to that 6.5, 6.9% interest rate, and there's pent-up demand because you're tired of being left behind and tired of being the only person in your friend group or family who hasn't entered the housing market yet, there's people who are just going to suck it up if they have the financial resources to do though to do so and, and buy mm-hmm. a house if they can find what they want. And inventory has been the biggest concern. High interest rates and rising home prices do not create more inventory. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, um, I, you're not wrong about that. There's just so many, so many factors that get into it. it. It does make sense why people wouldn't be willing to 
predict the, the it, challenge I see, and I'm looking at this from a prop tech perspective, is that any of the businesses that are transactionally focused, it certainly looks like it's about to be another tough year. Yeah. It's so we're watching. So part of our Mike, Mike Simonson, who leads our data and research capabilities at Housing Wire, he's the founder of Altus, which is now part of our business. Um, we anticipated to start to see inventory increase week over week throughout spring into the buying season. We've had weeks where it feels like that forecast is coming to fruition and other weeks where we take a little bit of a step back. We're relatively early or like we're mm-hmm. still in the kind of the, the winter timeframe. So watching inventory from Altos and from housing wire over the next several months will be a very important indicator of ultimately where transaction volume ends up in 2024. Um, but from where we stand today, we need to see a 10, 20% increase in inventory each week on a year over year basis compared to 2023 to start seeing a meaningful change in transaction volume um, in the coming year. I see. So, like, we're not like by no means kind of writing off that 2024 is, is going to be a, um, a bad year. But like, I, I hate that, like, on Monday, we had to publish uh, another headline that. That inventory fell, but um, oddly enough, purchase application data held up. So, like, it's 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 just, it's an odd time, Nate. Like, it the is. consumer wants a home. First time home buyers have demand for housing. Inventory has been the biggest challenge, and if employment holds up and we get stabilization in interest rates, then it could be a really strong year. But really strong, I, I would say, is a Really, I guess would be a word I use in relativity to 2020, the second half of 2022 and 2023. Um, I mentioned the term psychology earlier, and I think that's one that we have to, you know, mention a a second time. Um, Consumer psychology, consumer confidence is a a really important part of how housing will play out in, in 2024. And the one thing that I can bet on is that week over week or month over month or year over year data is going to start to look pretty good as we get into spring and summer. So the last mm-hmm. two years, the confidence was wrecked by data that was a major decline versus prior year because we were coming off these big drunken highs of 2021 <laughs> and the first half of 2022. And um, I used to use the word drunken because it felt like a hung- hangover for the last 18 months. But um, like year over year and like any comparative da- data just felt ugly because transaction volume mm-hmm. came down so much and growth rates came down. So I think what, you know, the the consumer or like the uh, the uninitiated like um, hobby analysts, what they can confuse between prices and growth rates happens all the time. So like we've published a lot of headlines that like, growth rates fall to zero or like abysmal growth. Well, it's not abysmal growth means the value still holds up. And um, we're seeing that in rental right now. I saw a few headlines this week where rent prices, um, headlines confuse rent price decline with rent price growth declines. So like, yes. yeah, we're seeing growth rates in rentals come down pretty significantly, but in most markets, that doesn't mean that the price has actually come down. So there's a there's an understanding of pricing and understanding of growth rates and a consumer psychology that that that, that needs a light sh- shined on it. It's actually one of the reasons why and I promise is not a uh, is not a paid commercial for Altos Research. This is why I tell everyone I talk to, Mike, if you don't follow Mike 
every Monday. He's he puts out a tweet thread. Go follow his YouTube channel because it normalizes the metrics that you're following on a week over week basis. Whereas, as you you acknowledge, like the headlines, it kind of picks which one you want to talk about, and then there's a confusion between a rate, like a, a rate of growth increase or yeah. decline, or a actual like cost, and. It, it's so maddening when I see people like, finally, prices are coming down. Like, no, the, the rate of growth in prices has declined. Prices are up. These are very different things. Uh, but And what Mike and Logan are both great at doing through Housing Wire is not only not sensationalize, sensationalizing every piece of data, but also bringing historical context. So like this week when we reported that inventory is down – Logan astutely highlighted that this is common of this in this week in January. So if you look back for decades, like this is a the last week of January is a week where inventory usually falls a little bit. So like you know don't don't jump off a building quite yet because um, it's if you don't understand the historical context, it, it can be a little bit tricky to analyze and understand housing data and. Um, and and I feel really, you know, we we talked to we talk about a lot about housing wire, Nate, but like you you know my background, I'm a like a a banker and financial services professional by background. I'm not I'm not a housing analyst, but I do believe my highest and best use is attracting and recruiting and spending time with some of the smartest people in housing. Mm-hmm. And and I feel really fortunate that we have folks like Mike and Logan and our editor in chief Sarah and our data journalist Will Robinson on the team who dig in and help tell these stories to our audience, help them be more effective housing professionals, be more effective investors or whatever they're, however they choose to spend their time and career resources. Now you got you you have obviously pulled together a really fantastic team internally, but and now you're using that team and we're pulling together the industry together, uh, the gathering. Coming up in April is going to be in Scottsdale, April 21st to 24th. Let's talk about that a little bit uh, for for those who are, uh, you know, most of the listeners here are prop tech focused, right? Yeah. Uh, so what should they know about what is the gathering? Yeah. So the gathering brings together professionals from across the housing industry. Historically, there's been a lot of different industry events focused on real estate brokers. One that we own, the Gathering of Eagles by Realtrans, all for real estate brokers. Um, there's events for real estate agents. There's events for mortgage originators. Events for mortgage executives and servicing, servicing professionals and tech professionals. What we aspire to do with the Gathering by Housing Wire, our newly branded, newly merged event, is bring together multiple groups of audiences from our own housing wire ecosystem. So we're bringing together the leaders of real estate brokerage, the leaders of mortgage origination and independent mortgage banks, and the tech partners that serve mortgage and real estate professionals to have a three and a half day event focused on real estate brokerage, housing trends and data, how to activate that how those housing data points and resources in mortgage origination, servicing and other independent mortgage bank trends. We believe that a connected housing industry and connected housing professionals are more successful. But what we ultimately know is that our audience and real estate brokerage is highly focused on affiliate services and they want to be involved in mortgage and title and insurance in some capacity. And our audience in mortgage origination is highly interested in accessing this real estate agent and broker audience that we've been able to grow through real trends. Mm-hmm. 
And I'll, I'll throw one more trend on there. Nate is so many of our clients in the marketing and advertising business that run prop tech, SaaS, information services, businesses that serve real estate and mortgage. They are working in both of those verticals, working to connect those verticals or selling to them as separate end markets. So we believe this is a really strong educational and content opportunity. We also believe it's a really strong commercial opportunity to give our audience members the chance to network, get to know each other, and hopefully build commercial relationships that makes them more successful. Um, that's the that's the goal. Yeah, I'm looking at the speakers list, uh, and I'm not going to name any events, but some some events. Uh, when I look at like who's going to be there and who's speaking, I'm immediately already like not going to any of the <laughs> sessions. <laughs> like I already know I'm not going because either it's like it's the topic I've already seen, right? They've just changed from like what will crypto do to what will blockchain do to yeah. what will AI do, right? Uh, or you know the the speakers are like clearly it's purely just pay to play. Right. That is just like, I don't know. Not sure why this random product I management wish some company. of these speakers would pay us to play, but no, they're not. <laughs> but, but I'm, I'm going to read off a few here just in case. I mean, Andy Florence, uh, pretty, pretty renowned with across the industry co-star. Uh, I don't know who, uh, Kristen Seifert, president of Kristen Finance Seifert, of America. So she leads Finance of America companies. And Finance of America has been through a huge shift in the, the last year, um, kind of moving from multi-channel origination to 100% focus on reverse. And I think there's some a few more tricks up oh, their sleeve. But a woman who has led a very large organization through a very large and very important shift. Um, so I'll, I'll let you continue to name a few more names, Nate. But like, Part of the reason these people are selected that you're going to go through is because they're going to be on stage in a lot of scenarios, giving TED style talks on mm. leadership challenges and how they've evolved and grown their businesses, which is a really like, kind of unique way to bring executives to the stage. But please keep going. Yeah, we got Mark Willis, CEO of Keller Williams, Nick Bailey, President yeah. CEO of Remax. I mean, right there, you know, talk about leaders that are going through extremely challenging times. A lot of yeah. distractions external to the organization, challenges that they can't directly impact. They can't make inventory come on the market. They can't make housing be more affordable. And yet they still have to find a way to, to make it happen. Uh, you've got Frank Mardell from Loan Depot. Uh, Glenn Sanford, shout out to Bellingham. I know he's up there in the Northwest. I got to gotta make sure we give that shout out there. Uh Founder of uh, EXP. I mean, it's just a, it's just a long list. Uh, we could name drop all day here, but I mean, pretty pretty impressive that you're pulling these speakers together. You, you mentioned TED style, uh, maybe talks here. So, is it more presentation style, or are we going to see also panels? What's what's the mix here of uh, context? We really try to minimize panels. Um, we uh, you know sometimes panels are fun. It lets you get more speakers involved in the event, but. Often, I think you can get a layer deeper in a fireside chat or a TED style talk and really learn a little bit more. Um, so, like, I, I do think that panels have an important place in in sharing diverse perspectives. But and it's a heck of a lot easier to plan an event that's all panels because you know the panels kind of take care of themselves versus all the that the nurture and work that goes into helping a speaker prepare for fifteen or thirty minutes on the stage alone. That's that's it's mm -hmm. a lift. But like, I want to put leaders like Laura Escobar, who leads Lennar Mortgage, 
and Donnie Sampson, who leaves Sampson Properties, and Mauricio Umansky, who leads the agency, and just announced he's starting a new NAR competitor, another trade organization. I want to give them the opportunity to get on stage and like really peel back a couple layers and and talk about um, you know not just the stuff that's on their website, but like the true entrepreneurial challenges it takes of building a business. And we've um, we've taken some lessons from a few other places. So. Uh, I'm a, I'm a member of an executive group that really focuses in on kind of peeling back that, like that last 5% that you don't share with anybody else. And we've coached a lot of our speakers on getting to that place. Like, Hey, this is a room full of your fellow executives. These aren't really your like employees. Like this is an executive focused event. Like peel back a layer, talk about a challenge that you wouldn't share on social media. You wouldn't share in a company town hall and this room, like these other leaders that are there, like, they're going to nod their heads and say, oh, I've been there. And afterwards, you're going to have a conversation and it's going to make you better and it's going to reveal an opportunity. And um, so we're trying to bring together content, bring content to the stage that a lot of these people haven't shared elsewhere. And that creates mm. learning opportunities, it creates engagement opportunities. And ultimately, it creates a lot of great conversations and the dinners and happy hours and pickleball tournaments that kind of follow the, the onstage activities in the, in the morning and early afternoon. I didn't know there was going to be pickleball. And I'm not I kidding just... about pickleball. This is our third year in a row doing a pickleball tournament and our guests freaking love it. So um, that, I, it might be a reason to come in itself. I've seen photos. Uh, was it, was it last year of people jumping into a pool fully dressed? Yeah. That, um, Hey, it's, we, we host fun events. We host fun events. <laughs> well, very cool. Okay, so uh, final pitch here for those listening. Um, who should be there? And yeah. uh, we got some incentives, I think, for them. Yeah, hundred percent. So, like, we we're building the event for the the leaders of the housing industry. Um, we're spending a lot of our marketing effort on bringing in heads of independent mortgage banks and um, other mortgage banking leaders and servicing and capital markets, as well as real estate brokerage and team leaders. We're also planning content that helps fintech, prop tech, and other tech-enabled services businesses and business leaders understand the trends and challenges that are happening in real estate brokerage and mortgage lending. So there's a big educational opportunity if you're selling into this market or integrating or partnering with lending and brokerage to be there, be in the same room, and then then ultimately network with some of these leaders who, who lead the industry. So we want this to be an event that doesn't just feel like an agent event or it's not just an originator event. We, we build it for the executives and we we know that the top executives in the industry aren't only focused on what's happening inside of their own walls, but need quality partners to help propel their businesses yeah. forward. So I think that's where like the prop tech opportunity comes into play. Um, I have the opportunity like, like you, Nate, of hosting a podcast. Um, we recently rebranded my podcast from housing news to powerhouse to better ref, better reflect the emphasis on interviewing executives and I am um, a lot of the people we have on stage are people I've already I've had on the podcast and I've had amazing conversations with and I've been able to like say, all right, we need to take this to the the in-person experience. And it never like fails to like um, amaze me, like how some of the smartest people in housing are our prop tech leaders and they understand the issues that happen in the in, in the core parts of the industry and home finance and real estate brokerage. And they're out there to solve it or they're out there to partner or, or maybe even disrupt. So um, I don't ever want to discount the the value that some of the prop tech leaders bring to this ecosystem. 
Yeah, I mean, personally, when I look at this, you know, uh, I th- and I think about like any of the companies that are doing embedded services, you know, incorporating embedded services, whether yeah. finance, insurance, uh, deal finding. If you're trying to partner up with, uh, you know, when I look at like the rental industry, that I think there's a little bit more of, hey, maybe we should be working with brokers. Maybe we should be working with brokerages because there's an opportunity here. There's a little bit of a shift. This is the kind of stuff like it's like you, there's a few events where you might capture, I think, part of the crowd. Uh, this yeah. is one of those few, I think, that you're going to be at the event for with the crowd. So uh, that's a little bit of a, a pitch there. We, uh, we'll, and we'll, there's You have a code or, or a link, I think, for everyone as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll share the link with you. You can you can drop it later, Nate. But the code, if you go to housingwire.com and click on our events and gathering tab, you can use the code NESTVIP for a discount on admission. And it also will upgrade you to a VIP admission table so you can sit next to the legendary Nate Smoyer and other leaders <laughs> in the industry. But um, <laughs> NESTVIP will uh, will give you the best treatment possible. I don't, I don't know about legendary here. Uh, all right, we got. I want I to mean, give you one more. The beard itself, come on. Screams it's not legendary. even in frame anymore. I got to sit up. <laughs> <laughs> I want to give you one more here, then we'll 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 call it a wrap. Uh, we're we're still only one month into the year, a lot ahead of us for 2024. What can people expect out of other than the gathering? What can people expect out of HW Media this year and the Housing Wire brand? Yeah, so I mean, I talked about the integration and helping bring like real trends and and reverse mortgage daily under the the housing wire umbrella. Another reason we are doing that is with Altos under the roof, we're, we're making a lot of investments in, in our team right now and hiring people in research and, and data to build more, to build one more data-driven content from our newsroom, but also start to develop a research project, product that serves specific needs of professionals in, in the housing industry. So you can't go to our site and find that yet, but that is a project in development. We believe that to provide the full picture to housing professionals, it's not just the news, it's not just the data. There's something in between that helps professionals understand what the data means to their business. And, and we believe that research is an important part of that plan. So if you follow us and you continue to follow us throughout 2024 and beyond, you, you'll you'll see our, our content get richer. We're going to continue to invest in, in news and great journalists, but we're also going to invest in researchers that can uncover insights from other industry professionals through deep, large surveys, as well as digging into other data sets like Altos and, and partner data sources that we've been, you know, so fortunate to be able to develop those relationships. So we are, um, we want to be the full picture for housing professionals. We, we, we know that, uh, a connected and informed housing industry is is better than not being connected and informed. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. think we can be the source and the um, the leader in data and research and intelligence to, to really help the housing industry be more efficient, be more stable, be less cyclical, and um, all the things that I think have plagued our, our large sector of the U.S. economy for so long. Mm-hmm. I'll have uh, links to follow along powerhouse connect with clayton on linkedin maybe one of these days we'll get you active on twitter again i know (laughs) i know you're lurking in the background we just haven't seen you put much content i'm I'm only lurking when like mike drops a link in slack and says check this out like and then i'm like ah crap i gotta log in we're gonna get Uh, back on twitter Give me on no. Find me on find me on LinkedIn and, and Instagram. Like 
Dude, I'm, I'm a geriatric millennial. I don't need five different platforms. <laughs> well, very cool, Clayton. It was it was an honor to have you back on the show. Uh, we don't do this enough, but we, we'll find a way to change that. Um, but uh, hopefully I'll get a chance to catch you soon. Until then, we'll see you then. Boom. Thank you, Nate. Thanks for listening to TechNest, the PropTech podcast. Find all the links and resources mentioned in this episode on technest.io. You can get future episodes delivered to your ears directly by subscribing to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and all other major podcast apps. Follow TechNest on social media to stay up to speed on new developments, resources, and announcements in PropTech. Your support is greatly appreciated. There's two ways you can directly support this podcast. Share episodes you find interesting and then leave a review of the show in the App Store. From Nate and the TechNest team, thanks for listening.